Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to my weekly email newsletter, Friday Focus. Each Friday, I focus on one topic with one action arising. The link to sign up is in the show notes or head over to amyrolinson.com and sign up right now. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Andy Green. Hello, Andy. How are you? Hi, Amy. I'm great, thanks. It's fantastic. Thank you so much for for inviting me to be here. You're very welcome. It's an absolute pleasure. So what is it you're doing at the moment? I am at the moment, I am focused on people. It's it's my my reason why for and has been for a long time now. So I'm focused on recruitment, I'm focused on training, I'm focused on mentoring, uh, everything to do with what makes people tick. And it's interesting because you, you put that sort of emphasis on people, insinuating that you haven't been focused on people before. That's a really interesting question. Uh, The reality is I have always been focused on people. Even as a vet, uh, I have always been focused on people because the pets don't turn up by themselves. They still haven't been trained to phone us for an appointment or to pay when they leave. So there's always a person attached. And to be a really great vet, when you're meeting people, you have to be good with people. So people has always been front and centre for me. What I do now is focus specifically on the people side. I'm not clinical anymore, so I focus entirely on the people side, very much starting with our own teams. So from who we get in to the, to the culture, to uh, how we conduct ourselves as a team, how I support the team, personal development, which is my personal passions, communication skills is a huge one, and leadership. And what led you to the transition of moving away from the clinical side of things? It was a parallel development, really. So I've, as along with the the veterinary side of things, and I qualified as a vet nearly 30 years ago, which sounds like a distressingly long period of time, but doesn't feel like it. (laughs) Alongside that, I've spent nearly 20 years in the personal development sphere as well. So I discovered personal development which I didn't even know was a thing uh, just after I got married um, 18, 18, 19 years ago. So it's been a a great gift to me to spend time in that environment, um, in the Robbins environment in particular, I spent a huge amount of time there learning communication skills, leadership skills, learning about myself uh, and really breaking down a lot of limiting beliefs that I had about myself, about my ability to lead and inspire and help other people. And now I have the the wonderful opportunity to pass that gift on. Tell me more about these limiting beliefs that you've been able to discard. Oh, where to start? Uh, (laughs) I think the biggest one is not so much a limiting belief as something that's talked about a huge amount in, in our sector. And I think across all sectors, which is imposter syndrome. The the sentence that's in your head that starts, who am I to, 
or why would anyone listen to me? I'm just fill in the blank. And I think that that feeling of not being important enough or not knowing enough or not having a certain rank or title, not having a particular set of letters after one's name that in some way disqualifies you from being able to put forward your own life experience, what you've learned. And a lot of that doesn't come out of a book. It doesn't come out of some theoretical process. It's it's about applying it in life. So there's there are a few substitutes for life experience. You can have all the theory you like. You've got to actually do it. You have to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And that realization that actually the only thing stopping me from helping more people was the story I was telling myself about why I couldn't do it. And it's interesting because you talk about the no, not having a rank or a title and not having letters after your name. But in your profession, you need those letters after your name. Yes. And on the clinical side of things, 100 percent, that's absolutely true. The challenge for me was everything that I was additionally learning and looking to apply and w- wanted to share with people wasn't clinical. And, and it didn't have the same structured set of exams and set of qualifications and, and, and this type of thing that would, for a scientifically trained person, be additional validation of authority and the fact that someone's been examined and certified, which is important. We can't, can't ignore that. And, and I, I am certified in NLP and neuro strategies. I've trained in EFT. I've done... I've done a lot of things. But again, it's the story in my head of why those don't stack up as much as my veterinary degree or a certificate in internal medicine or surgery or fill in fill in the blank from a clinical point of view. And as I said, it's very much it was me getting over those things uh, added to added to the fact that, again, growing up, I was cripplingly shy. Uh, I was uh, I was really very quiet. I wanted to do nothing more than sit in the corner and read a book. And I did that a lot through most of my, my childhood and adolescence. Um, and when you do that, you're put in a box, typically, or you're labeled by your peers. Not necessarily, not necessarily, you know, in a deliberately harmful or, or nasty way, albeit, you know, I was I was bullied a bit. I was the shy, nerdy, weedy kid. And, you know, you're always going to get a bit of that. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, there was nothing that bad. But it still leaves a mark internally. Um, those labels have power if you let them. And at that point, I didn't understand that I had the power to choose whether I accepted that or not. And it was only when I left school that I then had the opportunity to be with a completely different peer group who didn't know me at all before. So they had no preconception and I could be who I truly was and actually discover that that was a lot more fun. Uh, and that I did like people. I really did like people. I like being with people. I like making people laugh. I like engaging with people. I'm curious about what makes people tick and start to put those foundations in place, much stronger foundations to build a a structure that that would last me a lifetime 
Yeah, I love I love that. And, and it's interesting, isn't it, how the training that you've gone through and the different strategies that you've applied, the neuroscience, the NLP, the EFT, and yet it's still a constant journey, isn't it? Oh, yes. Uh, we, we were talking yesterday at work and we were saying every day is a school day. I was doing an interview um, with a vet who's who's happily agreed to join us today this morning and uh, talking about just that that one of the one of the things I am most grateful for, particularly working in the sphere that I do, is that every day is a school day. Always learn something. There's always something new. You, you never know everything. And if you think you know everything, then that's a very dangerous place to get to because that then breeds complacency. Your work ethic drops off. You no longer do what you did to get you there in the first place and you start sliding down the slippery slope, which is why the world's best in any sphere are always looking to improve. They're never satisfied with where they stand. They're always looking for improvement. You look at your Roger Federer, your Rafa Nadal, your Novak Djokovic, your Andy Murray, your Tiger Woods, any of those top sports stars that have got longevity, restless, relentless search for continual improvement. That's what um, Tony Robbins talks about, can I, constant and never-ending improvement. And, and it's it's not about never being happy. That's that's no good to anybody, but it's recognising that somebody somewhere is doing something you're not and you could potentially learn from them. And the better you get, the tinier the tweaks you make, but those tiny tweaks can make a massive difference to your outcome. And, and being humble enough to appreciate that however good you are at something, you can still learn something from anybody. And where do you think that slippery slope leads to? Uh, boredom, very much. Because if, you, if you're not growing, you're shrinking. Like there's, there's, no, there's no static in nature. Things are either growing or dying. Your, your comfort zone is either expanding or contracting. It, it rarely stays still. If you don't keep challenging that, what's the phrase? Um, you do something uncomfortable every day or do something that scares you every day or variety on that that's, that's banded around a lot. There's a lot of truth to that, if only to make sure you keep testing the boundaries of your comfort zone. Because if you think about it, if you only ever stay in your comfort zone, it doesn't expand. What it does is it shrinks. And you see this often with older people. Certainly, if you think back to um, the previous generations, people retire and then their purpose for life has, has largely gone with them because everything was about their job title, their job role, their job identity. And then they they just... They don't have a why. They don't have a compelling purpose. They don't have a compelling why. They shuffle around and they, they do the little bits and pieces, but their world shrinks and they become less and less tolerant of change, uh, uncertainty, complexity, um, variation. And you can see that. And they, they almost physically, they start to stoop and shuffle because that's what older people do, apparently. Not in my world, they don't. I'm certainly not intending to be a, a shuffly older person. I intend to still be snowboarding when I'm 90, if I possibly can. Um, so, you know, that that constant ability to learn and grow. And, and, and I've met some, some extraordinary people in, 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 in their later years who are so vital and they're so full of energy because they're still 
learning. They're still doing new things. They're still trying new things. They still have that thirst to explore the world and their abilities and the people around them. So apart from the fact that you've gone to the dark side in snowboarding, (laughs) (laughs) what what is your purpose in life, Andy? What is the, the driving desire? My purpose in life is really simple, is to be an unstoppable force for good. Is to, wherever I possibly can, leave whoever I meet, whoever I interact with, whoever I talk to, whoever I spend time with in a better place than when I found them. Not from a massage of the ego point of view, from my perspective, that's not that's not it at all. It's about my ability to pass on something that feels good to another human being. And that might be as simple as actually taking the time to stop and have a brief conversation, ask someone how their day is when they're serving me in a shop, greeting someone with a smile, being genuinely interested in the people I meet and their stories and what what they're about and what's happening in their lives. How can I help? Um, And to, yeah, to pay that forwards because people have done that for me. I've had some extraordinary mentors in my life that I'm forever grateful for um, from people like Tony Robbins, um, others in the um, personal development field through to the people who mentored me in the veterinary world, through to my family, through to to my friends, through to my wife, um, my daughter. Um, you know, that, that opportunity to be in these people's lives and to together make the world a better place. It's great. And can you imagine a world, a parallel world without your personal development? Big pause because that takes some digesting. It's so much a part of who I am now that it's a bit like thinking, well, how would my life be if I hadn't had a veterinary career, for instance, which has been more than half my life. How would my life be if I was missing a limb or something like that? It's that integral to my psyche. It's so unconscious and hardwired in now that it's like breathing for me. It's just, it's it's totally unconscious and automatic. Um, and actually to think of my life without that, I wouldn't have a lot of what I have in my life right now if it wasn't for that. I wouldn't have the job I have right now. I wouldn't be working in the place I am, living in the place I am without personal development because applying that, what I learned in those first few months of personal development landed me this job. Has has made my relationship with my wife better than I could have possibly hoped for. Has Has helped raise a daughter I'm incredibly proud of who now coaches me at times when I need it irritating though that is at times and who is is an absolute credit and a leader in her peer group it's it's given me not everything but enormous amount the reason I asked the question is is that you said that you found it just after you got married and and yet you know there are a lot of people who don't have that wonderful opportunity to see how personal development can be as you say an integral part of them 
and that they sort of stumble upon it later on in life. So, I, I mean, for you, I see it as a, a gift, a luxury, as as a real treat to have found it as young as you did. Yes, and like I suspect most people who discover personal development at whatever age they are, always wish you discovered it earlier. One of one of the things that I'm very passionate about is the importance of some of these key principles being taught in school. These are the skills and tools that kids need from as early as, as you can start it. It's what we did with our daughter. She, she bless her. She's had NLP neuro strategies and all the rest of it since she was a ba- literally since she was a baby, um, which is why she's, uh, uh, she's so good at picking me up when I'm being unresourceful and catching me in language patterns that don't, you know, aren't, aren't good. Um, which at the time obviously is immensely irritating, uh, but equally incredibly valuable. And, and these are, they are life skills. Communication is a learned skill. It's a life skill. So why aren't we teaching outstanding communication skills from the start, not just ABCs and language, but actually different communication styles, different modalities, active listening, reflective listening, the principles of empathy, all these things, they are foundational for us as human beings. And this unstoppable force for good, mm. you, you said that you were the sort of shy, nerdy, weedy kid, your words, not mine. Yes. <laughs> I, you, and I just want to see that your desire to be this unstoppable force it often comes from a, a, an area of lack that you have when you're growing up and, and but where does that where does the vet theme come in and where does the purpose theme come in as well so the vet theme comes in from when i was 8 years old uh, that's when i decided i was going to become a vet uh, we were on holiday in france i think and i spent a happy couple of hours watching a butterfly hatch out of a chrysalis in the grass where we were in the garden where we were staying and my mother tells this story to everybody who'll listen uh, and I then trotted into the kitchen of where we were staying up to my mother and announced to her that I was going to be a vet when I grew up uh, and that from that moment that was that was the only thing I wanted to do as a, as a career never occurred to me to try and be anything else or do anything else that was my sole focus and that was initially it was definitely animal related my again my mother was a, was a huge positive influence there she we had we had lots of pets we uh my mother was very animal centric animal focused and i know very much take after her in a lot of in a lot of aspects of my personality and and you know what i've pursued what i also had was great mentors when i was a student at school just seeing practice and local practice at the weekend and uh, getting to grips with that, going, yes, I could do this. Yes, I, this is really good. And I was with someone who was an amazing communicator. And that was really helpful. That then tied into that, that purpose for me. And I didn't get into vet school first time. I failed big time. And that was... At the time, the most painful thing that happened to me, the hardest thing to deal with, 
the most distressing and upsetting thing that had happened to me. And ultimately, it was the best thing that had ever happened to me at that point because I had to change because I needed to retake my A-levels if I wanted to get into vet school or do something else. I had a choice. I had a decision to make that would decide my destiny, ultimately, in terms of which, which path do I walk. And my decision to still pursue that veterinary career and say, no, this is what I want to do. This is what I have put here on the planet to do this was fundamental. And thank goodness my parents were in total support of me with that and were amazing for that. But who I had to become to get through that, those reset exams, to come out the other side of that, I was a completely different person a year later when I started vet school. And it was an absolute total gift to me that that happened. But at the time, it didn't feel like it. But how often, and I'd say this for, for anybody who's listening, when in your past have you had something happen that at the time seemed awful? It was painful. It wasn't what you wanted. It really sucked. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It could be a smaller thing. But we've all had them. And yet when you look back, because of that, you made a decision or something else happened. There was a consequence that has ultimately led to something you're profoundly grateful for. And you said it was a decision to make and it was a choice. But was it really because you had your heart set on this for so long? Yes, I had. And there was still a choice to be made. Because there was a commitment of time, there's a commitment of resources, commitment of money, which was not my money and no guarantee of success at the end. So there was still a choice to be had. For me, the easier choice was to carry on. But for a lot of other people, the easier choice would have been to quit, which is not making them wrong or anything like that. We all have our, our, our paths to lead and we've all got different priorities. But for me, there still was a choice. And it was the best one, as you said, it, because of who you became. Yeah. What was a shift? What was what was a noticeable shift for yourself there? Part of that was just choosing to be who I really was and who I wanted to be, not who other people thought that I was, which was the case when I was at school. So when I left school, I say when I went to retake my A levels, and then when I went to work and then I went traveling then I went on to college those people didn't know me before that so there was no baggage there there was no label that I was carrying around and the understanding that actually I could choose to be all of myself not a muted version of myself that fits a certain way just because that was easier because otherwise people would then go no, that's not who you are. Get back in your box. That that was liberating. That was freeing. That was so enjoyable. So what are the boundaries that you're pushing up against at the moment and, and getting out of? Where are you heading? I'm heading towards being clearer and clearer about where I'm in peak flow. What are the activities, what are the situations, what are the circumstances, what are the activities that make me just fly? 
where I am in the zone, where I am fully engaged, where I would do it all day, every day for nothing, because it's a total joy. And the longer I live and the more I do and the more things I try, the clearer I am on what that is. Now, life being life, I'm certainly not there yet. <laughs> but I'm clearer and clearer on what that looks like. And I know that when I am all of me, then I can help those around me be all of them. Because I love that, that coaching, that mentoring role, that ability and opportunity to help people see the greatness in themselves that they sometimes don't, can't, or won't acknowledge for themselves. Again, sometimes because somebody else has told them that they can't be that, or that's not who they are. And they're carrying around labels and they're carrying around baggage and they're, they've got a box that they feel that they have to be in to suit everybody else. And it's always a choice. It's not right or wrong, it's just a choice. And if you like where you're at and the choices you made, I salute you and keep doing it because that's awesome. Chances are most of us have got at least one area where we feel we could do better or we're not entirely satisfied. Great. What are you going to do about it? It's a choice. Why not choose to try something different? Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but at least you tried. Or at least you did something. The clearer you can get, the easier it is to make a decision quickly. And with your focus on flow right now, and I, I love the the sort of concept of flow. It's it's fantastic. Mahali with Six Centre Mahali, isn't it? Who talks about the the flow concepts in terms of trying different things but also knowing where your your zone of genius is what recently have you tried that has been your genius and also has not whoa wow what has been my genius and what has not there are certain things that definitely don't come naturally to me um i'm not a massively artistic or creative person in that sense, and my wife and daughter are very arty, very crafty, very in that sense. Um, so I challenge myself in that. And I, I've been learning to play the guitar for, for a while now. And I had a, actually this last week, I've had a bit of a, a breakthrough. And before it was really quite challenging for me to pick things up, it would take a while and I'd be fumbling away. And then the last week or so, I've, I've, with my guitar teacher, I've suddenly found that I pick stuff up way quicker. And my ability to navigate around the fretboard was a lot better. It's still not brilliant, but it's a hell of a lot better than, it's, than it was before. And that's because I've been practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing. And then you get a breakthrough. And sometimes you've got to put a lot of work in and not visibly be making any progress until you get to the point where you build enough pressure and then you pop through to the next level. And I love that because I have to work hard at that and I have to apply myself. And if I don't practice, I go backwards. So, so it's good to stretch myself in something that's not my natural area that I really enjoy. And your zone of genius, what about that one? 
definitely my ability to connect with people and to move and inspire people. Um, when I'm talking to my team, doing an interview today for, for, for a post with us, with someone who was a total joy. They were so values aligned with us. We were what they were looking for. And it was clear in the interview that their limiting belief was, I'm not sure that I'm good enough for them, is what she was thinking. What we're thinking is, she's amazing. We definitely want her on the team. And to be able to connect with her very quickly and, and get her drivers, find out what her why was, her purpose, what she loved, what she what she was 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 looking for, what she didn't want or didn't enjoy, to be able to to get to the nub of that so quickly, and be able to make that connection, build that trust really fast, and then have a situation where we're able to end that conversation after two hours to say, we'd love to offer you a job. Here's what here's what we have, and for her to sit there and light up like a Christmas tree. And say yes, and she made our day. We made her day. And it's interesting you said that you know she was thinking one thing and you were thinking another. Mm -hmm. Was that you mind reading, or did she actually verbally say that I don't think I'm good enough? That's both. Um, so that was my hallucination of what was going on in her head because I spent so many time, so much time with so many people, and then she verbalised it at the end after we offered. Um, so we could reassure her. Um, but again, that's one of my gifts is that gift of empathy. And I, I am very attuned to what people are feeling very particularly. And when I'm in the zone, I can pretty much pull thoughts out of their frontal lobe as well. And, and actually a lot of the time I will know what they're thinking and I'll, I will be able to say possibly maybe at the moment you're thinking X, Y, and Z, or I'll, I'll be able to predict what word they're going to use next, that type of thing. So um, that's, that's definitely when I'm in, in my flow, that's, that's that level of connectivity and understanding. I know when my wife's upset and it doesn't matter geographically where I am. I can pick up the phone and give her a ring and say, what's wrong? Because I can feel it. And it's the same with the people around me, especially if I've spent a significant amount of time with them. So with that empath ability that you have, the empathic elements, it's great when people are feeling good, but mm -hmm. it's not when they're not feeling great. You know, it really is tough. How do you, can you separate it? Can you, can you detach yourself? You're right. It is it's amazing when people are feeling good. It's just, why would anybody do drugs? It's the best drug ever. Um, other people's happiness, it's spectacular. Uh, you're right. As an empath, when it's going the other way, and particularly when it's people you really care about, you have a strong connection with, it's very easy to get sucked down the spiral, down the plug hole as well, um, and to, to spiral into that because you can feel it. My, my daughter's just finished her A-levels. And I was like the coach or the manager on the touchline of the team that kicks and heads every single ball on the pitch whilst being unable to influence what's going on other than by shouting at people <laughs> and encouraging people. So, and that's a real challenge. 
So I do have to be very aware of managing my own state. And again, it comes back to the three three decisions we're making every moment of every day. What are you focusing on? What does it mean? What are you going to do? So I have to be very careful about what my focus is on that situation. And I will catch myself sometimes feeling anxious or worried or upset for no reason. And I have to check in. If it's clearly nothing in my environment, then it becomes a who question. Who is it whose emotions I'm picking up on? And then what can I do about it? What does that mean? Okay, what's going on? So typically, you know, it might be my wife, or it might be somebody immediately in my vicinity. But if it's not, maybe I'm going to call my wife or my daughter just to check in on them. And then, well, what am I going to do? Well, I'm not going to help anybody else if I spiral down and, and, and this. And I, you'll have seen this, and I know lots of people on this will, will have seen this. So Brene Brown's um, Empathy versus Sympathy. Uh, it's a brilliant little little segment. It's very short. Um, the, the animation that goes with that audio is fantastic. Empathy is important to connect with somebody else. What you also then don't help that person, though, by being unresourceful as well. So that ability to stay connected to your own resources so that you, you then have an ability to help that person out of wherever they are, at least give them some support, hold the ladder for them. They might be climbing up the ladder first, but someone has got to, got to direct them to the ladder and hold the ladder. So it's, it's part of being a great coach, a great mentor, a great friend is empathize and then not just, you know, there's, you know, you can only stay down there for so long before it becomes a real issue trying to get back out again. So, so having that awareness and it comes back to what we talked about before, which was choice. We always have a choice and the choice is, what am I going to focus on? What does it mean? What am I going to do? And it's, it's so powerful. It is powerful. And you were saying earlier about being not being artistic or creative and I challenge that in some respects <laughs> because you're creating an incredible life and there are lots of different ways that you can be a creator in this in this world and and you are bringing all these tools into play and creating an incredible environment and a legacy to leave behind you so yeah I would challenge that you're not artistic and creative I like that challenge. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Thank you. That's a really nice reframe. Well, once once when you're hearing this, I'm just and it's, as you said, you know, pulling these thoughts out of of someone's frontal lobe, you you see other qualities and gifts, and you were talking about finding out the drivers and the why of of the lady that you interviewed. In terms of your your values, your driver, your why. Explain how instrumental they are right now and have been. They're everything about what I do and why I do it. They're what's led me to the choices I've made, to the life that I've built, to the relationships that I've, I've nurtured and found and created. It's led me to my wife. It's led me to the career path that I've been able to explore they've opened a lot of doors for me and I've always had a choice about whether I walk through them or not. 
couple of doors I walked into because <laughs> they weren't the right doors. But uh, that's that's called life experience. Um, but it really, ultimately, you know, our values drive everything that we do. They're at the root of our beliefs. And they're, they're so critical because, it, you know, it's it's where does your identity start and stop? Your beliefs start and stop, your values start and stop. They're all integrally linked. And for me, that honesty, loyalty, kindness, happiness, trust, compassion, courage, inspiration, they're really, really important, really important to me. And I don't get it right every time by any stretch of the imagination. And I screw up and I make mistakes and I I get a conversation wrong or a decision wrong or get frustrated and allow my emotions to get the better, me, better of me on occasion because I'm human. And reminding myself that I am human and learning from it and understanding that it doesn't change who I am at my core. Everybody can have a good day. Everybody can have a bad day. Everybody can be a saint and everyone can be a sinner. Sometimes all on the same day. And so being kind, not just to other people, but to ourselves is incredibly important because most of us aren't very kind to ourselves. And the, the most important conversation we ever have is the one we have with ourselves, about ourselves, when we're by ourselves. Because too many of us, and I certainly include myself in this, say things to ourselves that we would never say to another human being out loud because we would get cold-shouldered, slapped, punched, <laughs> ignored forever, ostracized, whipped off that group. And yet we say these things to ourselves. And so starting with being kinder to ourselves and, and cut ourselves a bit of slack for being human and doing the best we can with the resources we have access to. Yeah. And if you had to pick one value to rule them all, shall we say, what would it be, Andy, for you? Kindness. Yeah, makes sense. Simple as that. Well, I just want to say thank you. What a wonderful conversation we've had. It's been, it's just gone, time's gone so quickly. How would people get in contact with you, Andy? They can uh, find me on LinkedIn, Andy Green. They can also uh, connect with me on email and find me, find me there. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I'll make sure all of those links go into the show notes. Andy, again, thank you. Do you have some final words, please? Go out there, love your life, live your life, try something new and enjoy everything that you have to offer. Be grateful for the small things because it's the small things that actually make a difference. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, 
focus on why.